This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, it's Lane here with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Please go to the website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club for the thousandth time. If you haven't signed up for it yet, you definitely don't listen to directions. Today I have Brent Kawakami. How's it going, Brent? What's up, Lane? We met online. I know that always sounds funny when I say it, but a couple years ago or something like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. We were Facebook buddies for a while. You reached out to me because you heard the whole ukulele thing and you're from Hawaii too. Yep. At that time, we were both buying what, turnkey stuff? Yeah, we were both in single family. I, I didn't do turnkey though. I was doing the whole buy a foreclosure, rent, fix yeah. up yourself, that kind of thing. And I've kind of been following your trajectory along the way, and I thought we'd finally bring you on because you're still in the weeds and, you know, trying to make your way up to multifamily. As we were talking earlier, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> at two or three times speed. And some yeah, of it's the- gonna sound it's going to sound like me talking like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the one thing that we said was, you know, a lot of these podcasts – you know, when you hear these guys with a thousand, two thousand units, it's like it's so like horrible advice. Like it's not practical and usable anymore. Like they're saying like, oh, use MySpace to like get leads. And it's like, well, they don't even have that damn website anymore. Yeah. And then the other part too is, you know, you have these guys and they go on all the podcast circuit and they're telling the same story over and over again. And then it's almost like this godlike figure with all these units. And it's how do I, the peon, even take the next steps to get there? Right, right. But you're not a peon. You're like <laughs> better than that. <laughs> so, Brent, tell us how much cash flow are you making today and how you're doing it? Generally, it's fluctuated over time. Um, and to give you some quick background, so like you said, I uh, grew up and was born and raised in Hawaii. And I was very much the, um, you know, get good grades, go to college, have a good career type thing. And that's what I did. Um, I went went to the mainland, uh, got a degree in engineering, um, got the job and I never had like the entrepreneurial itch at all. I was very much the guy who's going to work 40 years, max out his 401k, have his IRA and do all that thing. And so probably a couple years into my career, I got that itch of, Hey, there's something more. I don't know if I really want to do this for the next 40 years. And so like, most things, you know, rich dad tends to be the gateway drug, you know, into those things, right? Or the that red damn purple book. <laughs> and then, so I started exploring a bunch of stuff. I went through different things like peer-to-peer investing, dividend stock investing. I got into gold and silver, um, started an internet business, um, went into infinite, infinite banking, which you've had uh, that topic on before. Um, and then ultimately settled on a real estate, uh, started doing single family rentals here in the Dallas area. Ultimately, started moving toward multifamily. And so my, you know, my simple passive cash flow numbers kind of fluctuated over time, just based on, you know, those investments and buying and selling real estate, you know, generally it's probably around a couple of thousand um, a month, but kind of right now where I'm at sort of that take one step back to try and take two steps forward as I try to jump into multifamily. Right. So you got up to how many units of the single families did you get up? So I had like three or four at one point and uh, and then I had a multifamily as a passive at the same time. And then I slowly started selling the single family so I could try to focus on multifamily, which is kind of where I'm at now. 
so this is all you're still working a day job and very busy doing that or yeah so i have a normal i have a normal nine to five job which isn't more nine to five it's more like six to five right (laughs) (laughs) this is the side hustle so i do a lot of things where you know i'm waking up early up to 4 p.m um do my exercise get some stuff in uh, on side hustle and then go to the day job and then same thing doing it late at night so you know it's definitely I know it's simple passive but at the same time you know there's definitely work involved in putting the time in trying to get, get there let's go back to uh you know when you first read that purple book how long ago was that okay. a lot of people like they, they say like well I want to do multifamily but no like it takes a while to get to that point yeah so on a timeline it was probably around 2010 2011 we'll take we'll say and then I went through all these different experiments and looking at these different aspects. I probably didn't buy my first single family until about 2012. So probably one to two years before I even got in that room. And then I didn't start getting into multifamily until about 2015. So definitely it's been a, it's been a slow progression as I've kind of learned more and, and um, figured out what works and what doesn't. So then, you know, you're trying all these things like gold and silver, stocks, peer-to-peer lending. Um, I think this is very consistent from what I see, you know, guy gets frustrated at work, guy goes home, instead of guy Googling how to hit on girls, he (laughs) figures out how to build wealth and he sees all this kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's the same thing. Like you end up, you know, signing up for investment newsletters, end up joining mentorship groups or, you know, other educational groups and, you know, watching YouTube videos on, on things like that, um, watching webinars and, you know, podcasts and all that type of thing. So it's kind of just a, con- and I still do that now, um, but it's sort of a constant trying to soak up stuff as you're trying to figure this thing out. So how long were you doing the single family home thing? So I started in 2012 and then, so I got, you know, I got a few rentals under my belt and it was kind of a, Hey, buy one every year type thing. Um, and then it was around 2015 when I started getting multifamily. So I ended up selling them off. And so it was in 2016 when I ended up selling them all. So probably the span of maybe four years, give or take, doing single family. Um, it was the whole, you know, I found a foreclosure, a wholesale deal, that type of thing. You know, needed the kind of thing here in the Dallas area back then was like, you know, the the $60,000 home that, you know, you put 20 grand in and, you know, it, it's uh, ARV is 100 you know, those types of, those types of things. And, you know, you, it hits all the standard, you know, 1% rule, uh, all those types of things. And, you know, it worked out well. I mean, you know, I probably was making somewhere in the neighborhood of four or $500 a month per house. I give, give or take cash flow. So, um, you know, it was was solid, solid investment, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I kind of had the aha moment to start to move to multifamily. Um, yeah, what was it that like ultimately made you move? Because like for me, it was like, okay, you do all this work, spend two months getting all this stuff to the lender, getting all this due diligence for what, 300 bucks a cash flow a month, right? Like it just wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, so I think the ha- aha moment was I kind of always knew multifamily was the way to go. It's kind of that, you know, progression of the real estate investor. But I always figured like, hey, you know, I'll get to my, my 10 limit max, you know, on my single family houses, and then I'll think about it sort of thing. But I think the the aha moment really happened when, you know, I was looking for another house actually at the time, you know, to add to the portfolio. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know, adding another $300 a month 
cash flow is really not going to drastically change my life. I mean, it's great, right? I'm not going to say no and everything. But if I want to go fast and scale quicker, I have to make larger gains. And, you know, I've been researching multifamily. And when you see sort of the disposition events that happen, you know, and you get on investment and, you know, now you're turning 50K into 100, 200, whatever it is, that's where you're like, okay, that's where you can make some moves in, in life change. And I think that's what kind of was the impetus for, for that light switch, if you want to call it. Yeah, that was one of the Han Solo moments, I right. guess. You know, you mentioned that whole, I'm going to get 10 Fannie and Mae loans. I don't know where people get this in their head. Like, I don't know why you want to get 10 Fannie. Like, what's the magic number with that? Like, I just, I don't yeah, understand it. Like, yeah, because people... Well, you hear that in different trainings and stuff, but then you hear all these people who have like 50 or 70 or 80 houses. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's just some like arbitrary limit that, you know, some of the education out there has. And it's sort of, for me personally at the time it was just sort of, that's kind of what I thought. And I was like, well, I'll get there and then I'll figure out what the next step is. Yeah. So people, at some point people kind of get off that train and yeah, just that was your, your Han Solo moment where you realized that you need to transition. So what was, you still were doing the single family or in that train, but how did you transition? You didn't, it wasn't an abrupt thing where it just. No, no. So I still had the single families and then I ended up getting hooked up with a, a local lead investor here in the Dallas area you know, reached out to him, had coffee and all that. And then I ended up investing passively in his deal. And that's kind of what got things started. And, you know, it's that whole, you know, to me personally, doing that and initially was a great way to kind of see a deal from the inside. Obviously, you're not doing as much because you're a passive. But on the flip side, you're, you know, you're still seeing financials, you're still seeing the reports that the lead sends out. And then too, as you invest in other deals and see other leads, you need to kind of get a feel for, okay, what are the things I like? What are the things I don't like? That kind of thing. So, right. so that was kind of the step. That was the kind of the step, just investing passively and then kind of moving, moving along from there. Yeah. So did you, you end up joining these guys or you just kept networking? What was like the next step after? Yeah. So, so I kept networking, um, invested in another passive deal with another lead that I met um, through him. And then, you know, you make the circuits of, you know, there's all these groups out there that have education. There's obviously all the online stuff like bigger pockets and things like that. Um, but, you know, I never really had into my mind that, you know, I wanted to try and do my own deal. At first, it was kind of a slow and gradual step, really. Um, and then, to be honest with you, what kind of led to it was sort of a right time, right place thing where I and the met potential partner. You know, it's kind of like, what is that saying? When, when a student is ready, the teacher arrives type thing and so that was kind of what hey started the next steps is that a the partner or is it the student or the, the mentor both i'd say right. both it's a mentor and a partner so yeah but it, that wouldn't be possible unless you are physically out networking and out after your bedtime yeah and that's and that's the thing too because you know the the thing especially in multifamily that i think was the big difference from single family is you, you have to get out right you have to go to the network what, event. You, <laughs> what? <to> go, <laughs> you know I mean, like i you can't have, just troll on these facebook groups with all these people and just message them blindly yeah like, you have like those facebook groups that have like 500 people and then you know like you know then you get these people who one off try to introduce themselves hey i'm looking to partner with someone to do a deal yeah <laughs> i'm looking for someone to be a kp yeah exactly yeah. right <laughs> Hey, if you got deals, send them to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, but you know, you gotta, you know, it's one of those things you gotta get out. You gotta go to meetups. You gotta go to conferences. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer like you are and I'm, I'm a natural introvert. So that's not easy. Um, but you know, you kinda, you gotta get out from, if you listen to another podcast, uh, along the topic, uh, one of the, one of the, um, guys on there always say, you gotta get out from, you know, behind the computer. This business is, uh, you know, something you got to do, meet people to do. So, right. And, and I'll say like, I have this other secret group. It's called introverts and entrepreneurship. It's just kind of this fun, like meetup group that I have. Cause as an owner, you're allowed three meetup groups. So I have one of them just mm-hmm. as a throwaway. And that's just, <laughs> it's so many people in that, that it's crazy. But like, I've gone to some of these meetings and it's like, introverts make the best entrepreneurs, like the best salespeople because they listen they don't you know they're not just hey man i got a deal or you need this or like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i think you need to invite me to that group yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you you found the right people and then you just like tell me what you're doing today because you're kind of in that you're grinding away right you're you're in that looking for deals analyzing deals just to kind of list some general things off i mean you know so i joined a formal mentorship program which is something that i think you know, especially multifamily, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a requirement, but it's definitely a a business where you got to, you got to get around the right people, um, that kind of are within that circle. Um, I'm regularly contacting brokers, uh, for deals and signing up for lists and calling on deals, um, looking at deals to underwrite and, you know, and, um, evaluate. I'm scheduling in-person meetings, um, with both potential investors and, um, you know, and brokers as well. Um, in addition to, to calling, um, I'm taking the time to like, you know, in other markets, you know, so I'm in the Dallas market, but I'm looking in other markets too. So I'm taking the time to fly out there and meet with folks, right? And I'm taking a day off from, you know, my day job, you know, every here and now to go look at a property, for example. Um, you know, so doing that, doing tours, you know, trying to be on, you know, on the, on bigger pockets and LinkedIn and Facebook and all that stuff, trying to, you know, I'm really bad at it, but you know, it's kind of like how Gary Vee always says, you know, you got to make daily deposits kind of in those, in those realms. I said, going to meetups, going to conferences. Um, and then, you know, back to the partner thing, you know, meeting the right folks and then kind of finding someone who, a couple of folks who complement my skills and can help me get there. So, um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a grind I'd say. Yeah. I mean, how many, um, how many deals a month do you say you analyze, these days <laughs> um i mean some of you may just throw away yeah yeah you, there's, there's the whole like okay there's the ones you look at immediately and know you're gonna trash it there's the ones you look at and kind of do a quick and dirty you know analysis um just to see if it's worth looking deeper and then there's obviously ones that um there's the ones that you know you do a full analysis and maybe yeah. look into what, what are some things that like you know that you're looking for that that you may actually pull out the spreadsheet and do that quick and dirty. Um, so, you know, it's the typical, you know, criteria thing, you know, it's pretty kind of a bread and butter, you know, class CB, you know, 75 plus units, ideally, you know, pitch roof, individual HVAC, you know, all those types of things. I mean, that's kind of the first filter. Um, I'll look at stuff anyway, just you know, <laughs> to do a quick and dirty, just cause I'm, I'm newer so I can get practice at it. Um, you know, so I do a, my my mentor and partner he has a little kind of app deal that he made that you know kind of does a quick a quick look at stuff and so i'll run through that you know it takes 10 minutes really and it's kind of just a flag of 
hey, should I look at it deeper? Um, so I'll do that. I'll do that a lot. I mean, I'm doing that every day, to be honest with you, at least one or two a day, I'd say. Yeah. So what what will like, once you put in like the, the quick and dirty, is that like expenses, just high level income? And yeah, it's high level, like gross potential rent, using some rules of thumb, you know, in terms of economic occupancy, in terms of, um, you know, rules of thumb on expenses, things like that. Um, all you really need is sort of the what is the GPR? What is the other income? You know, what is the, you know, general cap rate for that area? And then using that and just comparing it against, you know, what, what they're, what they're asking for. And then, you know, it's kind of a, are we even in the ballpark or not? Right. right. And so you know, that, that kind of thing. And then from there, from there, I'll figure out, okay, do I need to look at it further? Right. Right. And, and I guess we'll kind of, we'll go backwards to the whole, you know, joining up a group. I'll say some of the the benefits are, you know, you need partners to do this because a lot of the times to qualify for these loans, especially if you're going after non-recourse loans, you need to network, the liquidity, but you also need the experience. Yeah, and you got to find the the partners who have the experience to to be able to do that. And right. then, you know, the other thing too about you know those groups, I'd say is, you know, you kind of have the ecosystem built as far as like quote unquote the team right? Because you, you know, obviously you always hear the, you know, hey, this is a team sport and it is. And when you walk in there, you almost have, I don't want to say an instant credibility, so to speak, but you already have kind of like a built team, built ecosystem of, of resources, you know, whether it's a lender, brokers, property managers, et cetera. And then, you know, you can use that to kind of leverage, you know, against, you know, hey, I'm a new guy. I don't know anybody, right? So, yeah. Like, or I'm part of these guys that close $50 yeah. worth of real estate. I mean, whether it's true or not, kind of parlay other people's names. Yeah. You know, the, the four most important words are my partners and I, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I will say like some of the, the downsides to some of these groups is if you don't have that much money, you know, let's, let's face it, these groups aren't cheap, right? It's a barrier to entry. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I, I think the thing there too is like, you have to look at it as investment, I think for one, right. And then you also have to, think about it too, where if you're going into it, especially if you're doing it to where like you're planning on doing your own deal, you're not just being passive. You really have to go into it knowing that you're going to commit, right? Because obviously you're spending the dollars, but that doesn't mean, you know, deals are going to get served up to you on a, on a silver platter. Right. And so you kind of have to have that, the, to me, you kind of have to have the mindset already going in, Hey, I'm going to get this stuff done. Yeah. I mean, so some people like call me and they just want to be a limited partner. And like I tell them, well, if you're not looking to invest more than like 400 or 500,000, like, I mean, it's not going to be worth it to spend your money on a mentorship, I feel like. Yeah. And then it's like, well, that money you spent, you know, that could have been spent on you doing, you know, investing in something. Right. right. And not to mention like the time you're spending right now. I mean, it's like most people that's like, that's the killer right there. They got the money, but they don't have the time to invest in this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Cause what, what are you doing now? Like, so you go to work, you come home. Is it like a couple hours? How do, how do you, so I wake up, I wake up at 4am uh, every day and then I, I work out in the morning and then I probably spend an hour, hour and a half, you know, working on this stuff in the morning, which is nice. Cause that's when I can really, you know, it's quiet, it's quiet. You know, I don't, I don't have to worry about calls and things like that. Um, then I'll get to work usually around six, six thirty. No one's in the office yet. So I can get my day job done, you know, and then, when I come home from work, I have a family, so I try to spend time, you know, spend time with them. I have a, a seventh month old, a new dad. So, you know, that that's awesome. 
and then you know later in the evening i'm i'm doing more of it right and during lunch i may be making calls to brokers or you know potential investor i may run out during my lunch you know during my lunch to go meet someone on that instance or you know i may be doing after work and then like i said there's times where i'm taking a day off to go do stuff whether it's to tour property or fly out somewhere so yeah how's that at work is it like you got to kind of keep it within work hours out on during breaks or is it the the good part for me is that so you know i'm an, I'm an engineer i'm an exempt worker i don't have to punch a clock it's it's not necessarily a real stringent thing now i still do my job i get it done and i'm not sacrificing time there for you know for some of the stuff obviously you know I, and part of it too is like that's the right thing to do right i mean that's, right. that's my job day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just a struggle to be honest. You, you need to just kind of manage your time and figure things out and, and all that. So one of these questions I had here, what's your worst life or business moment? And uh, what did you do after? Maybe somebody can glean a lesson learned from this. So first off, I'd, I'd like to say, fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't had like some, you know, dramatic failure, <laughs> you know, where I lost a ton of money or something like that. And so, you know, knock on wood, not yet anyway, I guess. Right. I've all, I always had like the crappy issues you have with, you know, with single families where, you know, maybe it's a needy tenant or, you know, an unexpected repair that kind of sucks. Nothing as bad as the, <laughs> that one rental you were talking about, <laughs> the, the $20,000 uh, uh, guy who skipped or whatever it was. Um, oh, so I didn't yeah. Have- yeah. There was another one that's <laughs> later, but... <laughs> Sorry to bring up bad memory, <laughs> but, um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I'd say, so one, one kind of lesson learned I had, um, it was kind of in that period when I was transitioning from the single family, multifamily, um, back, back a year or two ago. So I had a, one of my single families, I had a, a tenant, you know, um, they weren't going to renew their lease. And so they were going to move out good tenant, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. And so at the time I had, I had invested passively in multifamily And I was thinking, okay, do I sell it? Do I just, you know, throw another tenant back in? And my wife was a good read on me and read on people. You know, she told me to, you need to sell the thing so you can focus on, on, you know, this other stuff. But I kind of took the easy way out in terms of now, you know, I'll just get clean crew and get another tenant in there, which for me, like at that point was like, I don't want to say it's easy, but it was kind of the norm, right? I was stuck in sort of that status quo. And then, Inevitably, it ended up being like the worst tenant I ever had, of course, right? It, they paid the rent, but they were just incredibly needy, incredibly picky about stuff. And then I ended up just selling the place, you know, as a turnkey, like three, four months later <laughs> after right. that. And so kind of my lesson learned there, you know, is, is funny as listen to your wife. <laughs> just kind of funny. But, you know, as far as like really tall investment stuff, like she's a much better, re- I don't know if you want to call it the emotional intelligence thing, but. She's a much better read on on people, I'd say, especially like, hey, you know, I don't know if you want to talk to that guy or I don't know if you should partner or go into that guy's program or, you know, even read on me, right? She knew she she was a better read on me on what I should have done, just me emotionally at that time. Right. Your blind so, spots. And- yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely a, a thing. Sorry, no, no crazy, uh, no crazy, <laughs> crazy stories outside of that. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard of that. Like the, the wives are just better at picking up at those intangibles where you and I are just sort of like sort of on the artistic spectrum being engineers we just can't really like pick up those subtleties I guess I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know it makes sense right because I I think you and I you know we we had a good job and 
we didn't really take too big of a chances. I mean, we're kind of weenies in terms of risk. I mean, look at this, even the stuff now that you're doing, you're just kind of going after stabilized properties with non-recourse loans. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you're going after singles and doubles, no, no home runs, really. Yeah, and I think the thing just, uh, you know, because you always hear the things about like, you know, hey, you know, I never invest with someone who hasn't had a big failure or, you know, what's, what's that saying where it's like, you know, I, I succeed because I fail. And I'm kind of like, I don't want to fail. I'm going to do everything in my power not to limit that. And obviously the whole point of those messages are something's going to happen. You got to be able to pick yourself up or you got to be able to charge through and learn from it, which is fine. But it's kind of like, I'm going to do everything possible so that I don't have a huge catastrophic failure, you know, because right. that's, that's what's going to put me back, right? If I hit singles and doubles, you know, and I can keep doing that, I mean, that's the guys and you know i'm not a huge baseball fan but those are the guys that are in the league for 20 years right right <laughs> right i mean the guy the guys who's up on the stage saying these huge like risks they did and huge catastrophes like it sells sells tickets right like the singles and doubles they don't really sell like they're not that cool and i think for the same reason that like i say don't quit your day job you don't see all the people who've crashed and burned like you don't see any it's a self-selecting bias the person standing on top of the stage saying that kind of stuff yeah they're like hey quit your job so you can focus on this it's the the, the fear is what's going to make you succeed and yeah. it's like <laughs> i don't know you yeah, <laughs> i don't know I mean, about I'm, that. I'm like the same way i'm like hell no man i'm not gonna like i want to keep my day job <laughs> like I'm 100% yeah. on that. i mean you, you've been listening to this podcast and there's a reason like simple passive cash flow is about being passive and not taking chances you listeners, you guys have money, you guys worked hard, you guys don't need to be taking the chances that other people do. What is it like every big, you know, I don't want to say guru, but even like Warren Buffett is like, what is rule one? Don't lose money, right? right. <laughs> so do everything you can to not break rule one. Current two-week experiment that you're working on in a six-month project. So the two-week experiment is more personal, I'd say, and I, I kind of I'd say there's more two-week experience that are personal for me. Right now, it's kind of weird, but uh, I'm sleep training my son, <laughs> uh, which I guess if you relate to investing, if I can get him asleep at night, that'll definitely help me do more work at night. So, <laughs> um, The six-month for me, you know, back to trying to get in the multifamily, it's to do, do a deal to sponsor, you know, a 75 plus unit BC property. That That's my one thing. That's my focus. And that's, that's you know, everything everything what is it everything you do what's going to make that easier one step closer type thing so you've done the lp side mm -hmm. so you want to be the guy the lead you don't yeah. want to just be like part of the general partnership sending out emails here and there you want to be the guy boots on the ground yeah the the the, the operator you know the was it the airplane analogy is pretty popular in those where it's like i want to go from being the passenger to the guy flying the plane right no jump seat no jump seat. <laughs> no jump seat. <laughs> yeah. So what is your simple passive cash flow that you're shooting for these days? What's the You know, I'd say if if I could get to like ten K a month, I'd be happy with that. I mean, that's probably small for some people, but I'm not you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. If I did that, I'd be perfectly happy. Um yeah. so I guess you know, you normally ask if you double that, right? So <laughs> right. if I double that, you know, I'd be golden. If if that happened, I'd probably uh Maybe I'd consider moving back to Hawaii, 
I don't know. You've been you've been tempting. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. How what's the number to get you back to Hawaii so you can just hang out with me and hang out at the beach? Yeah, maybe maybe if we get to twenty. But yeah, you you've yeah. been tempting me with your the pics of your beautiful office view and the the job openings there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although we wouldn't go to the beach, we'd probably just go to like Starbucks and with our laptops or something. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. Like, if if I were, you know, it's that whole like what would you how would you design your day right you know so I'd still wake up early I'd still work out you know I probably well with my son my son's little now but you know I'd love to be able to spend time with him in the mornings take him to school that kind of thing and I'd still like hey I'd in the mornings I'd still like want to work on investments look for deals you know operate stuff like you said go to the coffee shop and work you know do stuff have lunch or with someone uh, you know potential partner investor something like that um so probably i probably play golf more <laughs> but, but uh yeah you know well think about it man we can uh we can both take the kids with our laptops to the park and everybody would kind of wonder and question what we're doing there together all the time. well and that's and that's the thing too like you know so so the goal obviously everyone is to get your simple passive cash flow number and quit the rat race right but and then the thing is like you know, like when that happens and you, you left the day job and, you know, when you and I are lying on the beach doing that, then every one of our friends are like, what the, what the heck are those guys doing? But then they don't realize that, you know, Hey, they've been working like two jobs almost for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to like, you know, traffic's so bad in Hawaii is like, you know, where the, where everybody's piling to get on the on-ramp to like do like a workout outside every morning at the same time. And people are like, what does that guy do? Like, what, how does he get to do that every time? I see him working out all the time. <laughs> he owns a bunch of real estate. That's probably what he does. Right? Yeah. yeah. You better invest in his deals. <laughs> Something that you recently thought about burning your cash on for a time savings or improvement in quality of life. Um, so one thing I have been experimenting on that is, um, like these meal services. So not like the, you know, the box with the recipes and everything, but the whole, like, they're actually like they're pre-portioned packaged and prepared that they ship. And the thing I've been experimenting with that is, cause I, I'll be honest, I, while I like cooking, I really don't, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that can eat the same thing every day. And so it's kind of nice not having to think about when I'm when I come home, what I'm going to eat, especially with me wanting to do all this other stuff. Right. So it's almost a huge time saver where I can just, all right, here's, and it's clean food too. So, you know, I can just pop in the microwave, eat and go on with all these other things. I definitely say just as a side note for kind of this question, there's a pretty good book called happy money, which I really like. Um, I forget who the author is, but it talks through like kind of the scientific type things of like, how you're spending your money and getting the most happiness out of it. When you hear some of the recommendations where it's like, Hey, spend money on experiences or, you know, spend money on other people. It sounds simplistic, but it talks about the science about it. But one of the things it says is spend money on things that is going to save you time or stuff. You just hate spending time doing right. So like if, you know, if you, if you just hate changing your oil, just pay 20 bucks to have someone do it. Your life will be infinitely easier. Things like that, where obviously you want a budget and everything, but spending your dollars on stuff that's going to save you time and save hassle. That's stuff that you don't like doing, you know, it frees up the mental capacity to do all these other things. That, right. right. That like if do. you don't like doing something, it's sort of draining energy. Yeah, exactly. Right. In, ad in addition to time. Right. I'd, I'd recommend it. Recommend that book for sure. Yeah, no, definitely a good tip. I mean, I started doing this uh, 
farmer's market bag where they give it to me every two weeks. I used to like going to the farmer's market, but it did take a lot of time on the weekend to go. Like yeah. two hours I didn't have. Yeah. So now I just like pick it up when I go to the Pilates class every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to go to the Pilates class, but I got to go pick up my, my bag. <laughs> That's how you get, it forces you to, so you can get your, get your farmer's market stuff. Yeah. You, you know, batching activities, watching Netflix on the treadmill, kind of like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I listen. So, like on my commute, I mean, I have like you're saying, it's like I have podcasts going at two times speed all the time. You know? <laughs> so, time, you know, maximum use of time is definitely good. Yeah. So, something that you recently changed your mind on. I think most, I think you'll see like, a, you know, that guy with the 50 or 70 single family homes, right? That guy definitely hasn't changed his mind on too many things, right? Yeah. So I have kind of two things in mind there. So the first one is kind of back, I mentioned I have a son. One of the things I got into was this whole infinite banking concept. And I'm still, I'm still a big proponent of it. I think it's a great vehicle. And you've had podcasts about that subject before. But I've always used the thought of insurance as more of the sort of, you know, wealth building or savings aspect of it. But since I've had a son, now all of a sudden, one of the things I've kind of changed in mind is, okay, now I got to think about legacy and protection and estate planning and, you know, what happens if I get a disability and stuff like that. As a, as a younger guy, I think that's something I've definitely changed on. And then the second thing has been um, home ownership. That's something I kind of changed my mind on. My wife and I actually recently sold our house that we were living in. And part of that was a lifestyle decision, but also, and also to free up you know, free up cash to be able to go invest in some other things. I've definitely trying to change my mind that, you know, moving out of the house and moving into apartment. Now I'm not full Grant, Grant Cardone, you know, buying a house is the stupidest thing you can do. Yeah, but, but he's the same guy who bought like a $5 million house himself, right? <laughs> you know, I think it depends, right? Yeah, it depends. It depends yeah. It depends on your situation. You know, obviously there's, we're obviously trying to do as much as we can financially investment wise, but you know, there's a personal aspect and a, you know, a family aspect too. So, but that's something I've definitely changed my mind um, on. And fortunately my wife has been kind of similar in that thought process. So that's something we recently did and changed. Right. I mean, you and I are both like in the early thirties and like all our peers are buying houses and getting two, three, four thousand dollar mortgages. And like, like that's all their cash flow. Now they can't even invest. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I see folks who are, you know, instead of going from, you know, this, you know, like, so for me and my wife, we're selling our starter home, you know, you see others who are building a home or getting a bigger home and buying a fancy car and doing all that stuff. And, you know, that's great. You know, I'm not going to get to spend your money on what makes you happy. And if those things do great, but you know, like for me, I'd rather, you know, I drive my POS forward <laughs> for a while <laughs> and not have a car loan so I can take that money and do something else huh. with it. You know, I would have thought you were more of a Corolla guy. <laughs> I have a Honda now, so. Okay. But I think you're totally right there. I mean, people, they kind of blindly go about this. And, like, you know, a lot of guys will be buying that starter home that's a fixer-upper. And it's like, I'm like, okay, so you couldn't afford a decent house. And now you need to get a mortgage on this. And what's worse, you got to take all this money out of pocket and make these repairs. That's like. <laughs> Really not a good idea if you ask me, but I kind of filter myself and sometimes I just be quiet and I let it out in my podcast. So no, some of, some of those things like it, it's funny because, you know, 
some of these topics are almost foreign to other folks and you almost don't want to talk about it because, you know, it's like, what the hell are you doing? Are you crazy? You know, like, what? You don't think the 401k is the best, greatest thing in the world? What's wrong with you? Or, you know. <laughs> well, what did I say? Like, you just tell them you're a government conspiracist. Or like, you think the government's out to get you. So that it's more believable than. It's more believable than I think it's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or you're doing all this crazy stuff, you know, like, like, you know, like I talk about, it's like, I, sometimes you're just like, I'd rather not talk about it with some people just because, you know, I don't want those crazy stares or people thinking I'm crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what are you on the phone all the time? Uh, you know, I just have a, another girlfriend, you know, <laughs> more believable than what you're really doing. Uh, brokers. Yeah, what the hell are you doing late at night on the computer? <laughs> yeah. This last question is kind of out to the, you know, yourself, maybe a few years ago, you know, hasn't gotten started. And, you know, in the seller's market, what would you say to invest in? Now, this is someone that maybe only has 20, 50 grand saved up in liquidity. You know, you always recommend the single family house route, which I think, while it's not a requirement, I think that's a great step. You know, if you have, you know, the, the investable capital to do it. Um, especially if you've never been, you know, if you've never, if all you know is just your 401k stocks and things like that, that's a great step. Me personally. So, you know, I mentioned I'm in the whole cash value life insurance thing. For me, that's sort of like my core foundation and conservative base. That's where I see for me, just as, you know, as things get frothy and things like that, I can sit, sit there as sort of the war chest and be ready for an opportunity without really losing too much return there. And then, you know, the other part too, is I'd say, there's nothing wrong with sitting if you feel like, you know, obviously you can make money and do investments in any market, but if you really think things are frothy right now, there's nothing wrong with sitting back, you know, in Hawaii and just waiting things out and doing things, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know not that you're doing that, but, um, you know, cause it's sort of like a hundred percent of nothing is better than any percent of a bad deal. Right. 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 It's sometimes it's the deals that you don't do are the best deals. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've had a, a lot of conversations with a lot of people that they've, I've, I went on a lot of podcasts and they're like, Oh, I want to do multifamily. Yeah. But I'm, I'm coming to this idea. I used to have this idea where you need to have like 30,000 a passive before you can move on. Mm -hmm. But I'm also adding this component of you maybe need like 150, 200,000 of liquidity mm -hmm. to make it in that next step. Mm -hmm. Because if not, you know, you'll, you'll spend your money on a couple of partnership deals and then that's it everything just stops. You have no more war chest yeah. to do anything else. What, what's your, your thoughts on you know, cash flow amount and liquidity to kind of make that jump? I, I would say like to me personally, I don't know that you would have to have like some specific cash flow number in mind. Like I wouldn't say like, Hey, you got to have 10 K a month coming in monthly before you even think about it. Sort of thing. I definitely say, you know, I like that 150, 100 kind of range, like you're saying, where, you know, it's sort of like, you know, it's hard to say like drawing a line, right? But I'd right. say if you had, if you had that liquidity, maybe higher at 100, 150 or higher, maybe that's when you think about. Because yeah. you, you came into this, you sold all your other properties and you had that. Yeah. Liquidity. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it too was I had properties and then still had some liquidity to be able to jump into my first limited deal too, right? And then so it was slowly a, hey, can I sell stuff off to build the war chest a little more? So, you know, and again, that goes back to me just being conservative and wanting to make sure I have a uh, reserve cash reserves. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to do it. 
And so I, I kind of correct myself a lot of times. I say most, most people should start with single family. Yeah. And I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd say it depends on the person, but you know, you don't have, to, I would say you don't have to. I mean, the other part too is, you know, you can get in as a limited partner and it's not, you know, it's not that much work is as much work as, you know, you want it to be. If you're okay, just looking at a statement every once in a while and getting a quarterly distribution and that's really all the extent you want. Hey, nothing wrong with that. You know, you just make sure you do your due diligence and the work up front and then you're fine. So. All right. Well, um, I am going to put some of these other questions in the bag for next time. <laughs> next time. Uh, all right. So we can have uh have you back on probably in the next, I would say probably next year. Cause it's probably, it probably, I would say it probably takes people a year, year and a half to break through and get that first deal. But after that, you're off and rolling, buddy. Yeah. That's what, that's what I always hear. So the hardest part is patience, right? And then maybe next time you can like put on a college shirt when you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just came back from work. So that's why I'm wearing this. Now I'd be wearing the same thing. Don't worry about it, man. Brent, you want to get your email out there for people to get a co- in contact with you? Yeah, so uh, my email is brent at hellomultifamily.com. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for coming on. I think this is pretty useful for the folks. No, awesome. I mean, thanks for thanks yeah. for having me on. This is, uh, this, is, this is fun stuff. So, All right. Shoots, bra. See you later. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.